Brilliant. Let's, uh, let's pray once again as we come to God's word. Father, we need you now. We need you to open our hearts. We need you to open our minds. We need you to teach us, Father. Help us to see all that it is you want us to see. Help us see the glory of Christ and all that he has done in the gospel. Help us see what that means for our lives today. And please would we not just hear your word today, but would we be keen to, in the power of your spirit, to put it into practice in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're a Christian believer here today, I I wonder if you've ever asked yourself the question, what am I supposed to do now? Maybe wonderfully you've heard the gospel, you've understood the gospel, and you've put your trust in Jesus and his death on the cross for your sins. And now you're forgiven. Wonderful. You're saved. But what now? Well, tragically, I think many Christians never really find out the answer to that question. So they just go back to their old lives, their old ways of living. But with Jesus as a sort of enhanced life insurance policy. You know, good to have probably be useful one day in the future, but makes no practical difference to life today. Not realising, of course, that being a Christian means having a radically different mindset, a radically different purpose and direction in life. So what is the answer? What are Christian believers supposed to do now in this life before we wait for glory? Well, we find the answer in verse 12 of our passage today, And that's our key phrase and also the title of this talk. If you look down in verse 12, you'll see Paul says to the Philippian Christians, work out your own salvation. Now that word work out there means to labour and keep on labouring until you reach a goal. It reminds us that becoming a Christian is something that actually needs to be worked out or lived out in day-to-day life. Just like if you get married, um, you have to work that out, right? You have to live that out. You can't just live the same way as you did before. There are different patterns, different routines, different priorities. Same if you have a child or you change jobs. That new status in life means that you have to work that out, to live that out in some way. You can't just keep living life the way you used to. So us here being told to work out our own salvation reminds us uh, that Christians weren't saved just to slumber, but to serve. What does it look like to work out our salvation? It's still quite a sort of, uh, has no edges to it, does it? Well, it is just what we've seen so far in this section of Philippians that started at chapter 1, verse 27. So if you look down, chapter 1, verse 27, Paul writes that we're to live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. How? Same verse, verse 27, by striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Not only that, but chapter 2, verse 5. What does it look like to work out our salvation? Chapter 2, verse 5, it's what we saw last week. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. TLJ, as we saw last week. Think like Jesus. That's what it looks like to work out our salvation. So Paul is really saying, look, all that I've been teaching in this section, from chapter 1, verse 27, now... Keep putting that into practice 
You've been doing that when I was with you, when I visited you, says Paul. But now when I'm gone, do that even more, more and more. Work out your salvation. We see that idea if we just flick back a page to chapter 1, verse 11, this idea of working out what we already have in Christ. Chapter 1, verse 11, Paul tells them to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Do you see that? That comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He's saying, you have righteousness in Jesus. He won it for you at the cross. Now live that out. Be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And we come back to our passage. Work out your salvation. Now, if you've read much of Paul in in the Bible, you might be a little bit surprised by the way he's put it there. Work out your own salvation. Is Paul now the great proponent of justification by faith alone, now suddenly saying we need to earn our place in heaven, earn our salvation. But it's really important to see that that is not what Paul is saying. He's not saying that Christians now have to do enough good works to earn our salvation. No, salvation is 100% the work of God alone, not us. In fact, we only just have to look back a few verses to chapter 2, verse 8, to see how it is that salvation was achieved for us. Chapter 2, verse 8, talking of the Lord Jesus, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And it's as we trust in the finished work of Christ alone, that is how we are saved. Nothing to do with what we have done. It's everything to do with what Jesus has done for us. But in what manner now are we to work out our salvation, to live it out? Well, verse 12 goes on with fear and trembling. Do you see that? It teaches us that the basic posture of a Christian towards the God who saved them isn't one of complacent swagger or of breezy presumption, but it is one of fear and trembling. It's a fear and trembling that arises not from an awful fear of his judgment, for we know Christ has already taken our judgment on the cross. No, it's rather a fearful awe of his lavish grace, how undeserving we are of his gift of salvation, a consciousness of how sinful I am before a holy God, and yet how amazing his grace that has been poured out on me. Fear and trembling. You know, it's really vital that we not only receive salvation in Christ, but we also live it out, work it out in life. That our belief um, is lived out in practice in our lives. Not just in church, that's the obvious place, isn't it? But actually in our homes and in our families and in our, our workplaces. Because to disconnect believing from living can often lead to complete disaster, shipwreck, as, as a Christian. You know, just recently, I, sh- I share with you, I heard of a, a Christian pastor who was in ministry for an, a number of years, but he was removed from his post 
and I have to say, rightly so, because although he was preaching the gospel from the pulpit, very sadly, he, he wasn't treating his wife well at home. You see, there was a, a colossal disconnect between what he believed and, and how he behaved at home. There was no fear and trembling. And, and I know that pressure. I, I wonder if you do too, that, that pressure to disconnect what I believe and how I live. It's so easy to do, isn't it? To turn up at church and be one thing on a Sunday, but be different, not working out my salvation at home. It's easy to, if you're a Sunday school teacher or vineyard leader, it's easy, isn't it, to churn out Bible teaching, particularly if you've been doing it for a couple of years. Much harder to live that Bible teaching out in day-to-day life. I need to hear these words. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. But are we to do that in our own strength? After bringing us to salvation, does then God say, okay, over to you now. Work out your own salvation in your own power. Well, not at all, because if you look at the very next verse, verse 13, Paul gives the reason, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is the ultimate encouragement, isn't it? As we work out our salvation in everyday life, That is a sure sign that God is at work in us. To will and to work for his good pleasure. You could say for the sake of his good pleasure. In other words, God doesn't just give us the desire to serve him. He also gives us the power to serve him too. To will and to work for his good pleasure. You could put it this way. We can only work for him because he is first at work in us. And that's why you can't have verse 12 without verse 13. We couldn't possibly work out our own salvation unless God were first at work in us, willing us and empowering us for his good pleasure. You know, I wonder, do you ever, do you ever feel stuck in yourself sometimes? Maybe it's, uh, you feel stuck in, in old patterns of behavior and thinking stuck in persistent sin no matter how much you try to battle it or to change and as as the years roll on you're thinking i was i was really hoping as a younger christian to make much more progress in this area than i've got to at this stage in life and you might start to think well perhaps it's a little bit too late for me to change i am who i am and uh, well that's that's just that's just it isn't it it's what you get But I want to say no to that attitude. These verses cause us to say no to that. Because if you're a Christian, then God is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. And because he's at work in you, there is always hope for change. It doesn't matter how long you've lived on this earth, if you're stuck in yourselves. If God is at work in you, there is always hope for change. Because God is in the business of change. And it is his good pleasure to do so. Isn't that wonderful? Now you might be thinking, okay, I get the idea. We've received salvation in Christ. Now we have to work out, live out that salvation that he's won for us. Because God is at work in us. That sounds great. It sounds rather grand, doesn't it? 
But how does that look? What does that look like on the ground, day to day? Because the manner in which we work it out is important. And Paul gives us four quick things in this passage. The first one is, in verse 14, don't grumble. Uh, Pop that on the screen for us, guys. Yeah, first one, don't grumble. Thanks very much. Just verse 14, Paul goes on to say, do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. I was just thinking, this is where the sort of the grand and lofty theology of verses 12 and 13 kind of hits the ground, doesn't it? It's where the rubber really hits the road. Wow. First thing, first thing Paul instructs his readers to do as they seek to work out their salvation with fear and trembling is, don't grumble. That... um, don't question. That word for question means don't dispute, complain, basically be argumentative. And, and part of us, I guess, feels, well, Paul, isn't that a bit not that serious? I mean, doesn't everyone grumble a bit? It's so ingrained in our culture, isn't it? I guess it's, it's often how people make friends in our culture find something in common to grumble about. It's weird, isn't it? It's a basis of friendship. That's true. But as Christians, Paul says we're to be radically different from the culture that we're in. And as we cease to grumble and instead give thanks to God for all his blessings, all his provision, then we start to live as, as it's put in verse 14, live as children blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation and Paul says one of the things that really will mark a Christian out in his office or at the school gates is that they don't grumble which leads us to our next point of application number two we're to shine as lights Firstly, we're not to grumble, but secondly, we're to shine as lights. Look at verse 15. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. I tried to find a a picture. It's kind of the best I could do. Um, But it's a beautiful image, isn't it? The world, which Paul describes as crooked and twisted in total darkness is in ignorance of God. It's like a, a shroud of darkness over the world. And Christians who are saved and working out their salvation in fear and trembling are like um, pinpoints of light against that dark background. Um, Rich showed me a map the other day of um, where where people in in the Lionstone Church family live, and it was you know the typical Google map, sort of light grey, and the, the the blue dots were where where we lived. And, uh, and actually, I was thinking more accurate. See, it was complete darkness in the background, but each each Christian in their home or their workplace was was a light shining in the darkness. You see, as we work out our salvation that we have in Christ, we're to seek to share the message, the light of Christ, 
with those around us. We're shining the light of Christ into a dark, dark world. I was just often I was reflecting on this and thinking, you know, so often the world wants us to believe as Christians that they're in the light, they're living the life of light, and that you, poor Christian, you're trapped in darkness of religion and ignorance and old-fashioned views. You're the you're the pinpoints of dark in our society. You bring spreading misery and religion. Well, actually, it's totally the opposite way around, isn't it? <laughs> Tragically, they're the ones in the dark, not knowing their, their left hand from their right, and yet the Christian is there shining as the only hope in the world. So, as you, you know, maybe you're, you're, maybe you're the only Christian in, in your workplace or uh, in, in, uh, at the school gates, or the only Christian maybe in your home. And I think this says don't lose confidence because you're the light, the pinpoint of light in that place. So shine. You might remember um, at the beginning of John's Gospel that it says of the Lord Jesus, in him was life and the life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. That's uh, John 1, 4-5. And you know what? That light is still shining today through you, you sta- as you stand for Jesus. It, perhaps uh, Paul had in mind uh, an Old Testament reference, Daniel 12. I was amazed to discover this this week. Uh, such a connection. Let me just read that for us. Um, it says, uh, Daniel's really prophesying of the church in the future, and he's saying, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn, uh, who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I wonder if Paul had that in mind as he penned Philippians 2. So as we work out our salvation in fear and trembling amongst a lost and dying world, not grumbling but being filled with thankfulness to God, as we shine as bright lights in a dark world, well, how does that light actually shine? And that brings us to our third point. Um, If you could have it on the screen, uh, guys. Um, It is that we hold fast to the word of life. Just look down at verse 16 with me. Paul writes, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labour in vain. That's how we shine out. We hold fast to the word of life, that is the Bible. And interestingly, I discovered that the word hold fast can also mean to hold forth. And of course the two are connected, aren't they? As we cling to the message of the cross ourselves, as we hold it fast, as we believe it and trust in it ourselves, so also we want to hold it forth and share it with with others. That's how the light of Christ is spread abroad in the world of darkness, as the message of Jesus goes out, as we hold fast the word of life, as we hold forth the word of life. You know, maybe, um, maybe you're kind of just looking into Christian things at the moment, and if that's you, it's brilliant that you've joined us this morning. Um, but, but, and maybe you're wondering about this idea of working out your salvation. 
Uh, but you just don't know where to start. Well, this is where you start. You come to the word of life. Because it's as we understand the Bible and its message of salvation, of eternal life that we uh, can have by trusting in Jesus and what he's done, that is where you start, coming to the word of life. You know, um, a, good, a good place to go, obviously Sundays, I encourage you to come here on Sunday, but also consider joining a vineyard group. It's a great place for a small group of people to look at the word of life and to discuss it, ask questions. Maybe if someone's brought you um, to Lionstone recently, you know, ask them, could you read the Bible with me and help me to explain it? It's another way to look at the word of life together. Hold fast to the word of life. And lastly, we work out our salvation, our final point today, as we rejoice. This is number four. Just look at verse 17. Paul writes, Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Paul here is really picking up on sort of the Old Testament language of, of sacrifices made to God uh, in the temple. And Paul is kind of saying that if he were to die for Christ, even if he were to die for Christ, his service to God would only be like a, a, a little drink offering poured on top of the Philippians' main offering. Um, and, and, and it just struck me, actually, that... the Philippians would be thinking wow Paul's ministry that's the significant one right and our little ministry is the Philippian Christian church we're just a little church but he's the apostle actually Paul sees it as the other way around he's saying actually your service Philippian church is the main offering to God my service is just a little drink offering poured out on top and in that I think the principle here is that we kind of should take mutual delight in one another's sacrificial service. Mutual delight. Which will grow our unity uh, as opposed to... And this is weird how this happens. But as time goes on, you serve Christ more and more. It is kind of easy to get jealous of other Christian service and rivalrous. And it gets weirder. If, if they are doing better than you in, in your area of service, you kind of resent that more. It's horrible and it's really simple. But if we put this into practice, this idea of actually your ministry is more significant than mine, and I rejoice in what you're doing for Christ, my, my service is, is nothing really compared to yours. And that will, well, that will make us generous, won't it, with our time to help them, to, to rejoice together and, and bind us together in our service and not, not break us up. So what have we seen in t- today's passage? I wonder if we can yeah, keep, keep that, keep that uh, summary up. Well, we've seen the answer to the question, having received salvation, what are we to do now? Well, the answer that Paul gives us is that we're to work out our own salvation. How in fear and trembling... How do, do we do that in our own strength? No, because God is at work in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Um, that sounds lovely in theory, but what does it look like on the ground? Well, firstly, it means we mustn't grumble, but rather be thankful for God's provision. 
Secondly, we, we see that we're to shine as lights in a dark world. Don't lose confidence. You are the pinpoint of light in the world. Shine as you hold fast the word of life ourselves and shine it, hold it forth for others around us. And lastly, rejoice in one another's gospel ministry and so encourage one another and serve one another. Let's pray together. Loving Heavenly Father, we, we, we just thank you so much for this message to us today. We thank you for the salvation that we have won for us 100% by Christ on the cross. But please would you now help us to work out that salvation in fear and trembling. Not just at church, but in our homes, in our workplaces, among our neighbours, among our colleagues, among our family members. Help us not to grumble, but to shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life and rejoicing with one another's service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.